in stunning footage, video footage captured in France this past week, a young immigrant to France saw a little child dangling from the railing. How many of you have seen that video? Anybody? All right, pretty amazing. And it was uh, five floors up where the child was on the outside of the balcony and hanging on, hanging from the balcony fence that was keeping, uh, you know, around the balcony. And to the amazement of everyone who watched, this fit 20-something-year-old jumped up and grabbed onto the bottom of the first balcony of this apartment building and scaled to the first level, jumped on top of the fenced wall around the first level balcony, and then from that jumped up and grabbed the second one. And in 30 seconds, he had reached this little four-approximately-year-old child. As he put his leg over the wall of the fifth balcony where the child was hanging, he didn't even wait to get on the balcony himself with his feet. As he was reaching his leg and climbing over that wall of that fifth balcony, he reached over, he grabbed that kid, and he pulled him up with one hand and he put him down. The French president has awarded him citizenship because they want citizens like that. We're going to talk about the greatest thing that we can have today, which is citizenship in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you please bless us with the same courage to look for ways that we can help and we can save. Bless our minds as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of Luke, we just heard in the scripture reading, a certain child was prophesied. This was a miracle child in Luke chapter 1. A child of the old age of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And it says in verse 13, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Why did the angel say not to fear? Because angels of God are perfect. The Bible says that if, uh, that we need to be very careful with the little ones, it says, because their angels do always behold the face of the Father, which is in heaven. And so they are full of glory, and their job is to protect mankind, to save. Angels are tirelessly working for our benefit. And so this angel was perfect. It was engaged in the work of God in the courts of heaven. And so, naturally, Zacharias, who is a man, and the Bible says that all have sinned, amen, all have sinned, including Zacharias, and come short of the glory of God. And so naturally, his first response is to tremble. Is everything okay between me and God? Now, that's a healthy thing to ask. 
The Bible says that we should examine ourselves. But apparently he had confessed his sins. In fact, he was there ministering on behalf of Israel. And we know that God doesn't take lightly those who are in his service and yet serving another master. We know that from the story of Nadab and Abihu, who were the sons of who? Aaron. And they went in to the presence of the Lord in a way that he told them specifically not to do. They took strange fire. They were intoxicated with the beverage that John the Baptist was forbade from using here in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 15. It says, "...shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled instead with what?" What does it say? "...the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb." And so, this angel says to John, uh, John's father, Zacharias, or to be John's father, Zacharias, he says, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Do you think that when Zacharias left for work that morning, he thought that he would get this announcement? You know, God is amazing. He, the Bible says His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. Even as the heaven is high above the earth, so are His thoughts and His ways and our ways and thoughts. He's great. You can never fully understand God and His ways. Who can searching, who, who by, excuse me, who by searching can found, find out the Almighty, the Bible says in Job. Canst thou by searching find out the Almighty? Zacharias never thought that today was the day when he would receive not only the pronouncement they've been praying for what? A child. Right? Thy prayer is heard. They've been praying for a child. Not only were they going to get a child, which was much better than having a lawnmower, by the way. Not only were they going to get a child, but what? This child would be, verse 15, great in the sight of the Lord. Now, with all blessing comes responsibility. Isn't that true? A great gift means that you are greatly accountable for that gift. You know, I'm a little paranoid of this this new lawnmower. I, I've got to find a, just a way to take care of it, the right way, place to store it. And we got, because it's, it's considerably bigger than the first one that we had. <laughs> and, you know, a gift that is greater needs to be cared for with comparative care that is greater. And so, this was a great gift. He shall be great. And with this great gift, not only a son, but this will be a great son. What did Jesus say about John who was to be born of Zacharias? He said, from women there has not been born one greater. There is no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Wow! And God didn't even give Zacharias any warning. See, but the thing is, is Zacharias was, was faithful. He was faithful. The Bible says in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Luke, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest. God knew that priest. Amen? There was a certain priest named who? Zacharias. Of the course of 
Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both, what? Does it say they were both bitter because God had not given them any children? What does it say? It says they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. Lord, why haven't you blessed me? Why? When others are living ungodly lives, why does it seem like they are prospering? David asked this question in Psalms. Why do the wicked prosper? For a time, it seems that they do. But eventually, the goodness of the Lord catches up with his children. In some way, some form, some fashion, sometime, something is going to happen for God's children. That's going to more than make up for the delay. Same thing with Hannah. Hannah was despised because of her barrenness of the womb. And she pled with the Lord. In fact, she cried so much when she went to the house of the Lord that she was accused of what? Drunkenness. She was accused of drunkenness because she was weeping and babbling before the Lord. You know, when you're sobbing, okay? She was pleading with God. And God heard her prayer. Not only did He give her Samuel, but He gave her other children too. And that child that he gave her was a powerful leader in Israel. When God raises up his hand to bless, we had better be ready to receive it. We'd better be waiting with faith, not with bitterness, not with doubt. We'd better be calm in our souls, faithfully going about our duties. Zechariah, when he woke up, he didn't know this was the day that he would be promised the answer to his prayers. Nevertheless, he was promised, verse 15, that John, his son, would be great in the sight of the Lord. And that's what matters, right? That's what matters. It doesn't say he would be the next earthly king of Judea. He would take the place of Herod. It doesn't say that he would go to Rome and sit on the seat of Rome and be the... Caesar, it says great in whose sight? In the Lord's sight. That's what I want. Amen? He shall drink. Notice this. Because he is great in the sight of the Lord, he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Filled with the Holy Spirit. With great blessing comes great responsibility. They were to provide an environment for this child that would raise him up to be great in the sight of the Lord. And the job of this child was to prepare. Verse 16, it says, Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of who? Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people 
prepared for the Lord. Why is that important to make a people ready for the Lord? There is no greater mission than to save souls. See, the world is deceived if they think that they're going to be happy if Jesus comes back without any preparation. Before Jesus' first coming, there was a mighty and great messenger that went before Jesus, and his name was John, right? In the spirit and the power of Elijah, and he had a message of temperance. Keep your mind clear, you're about to meet the Lord. He had a message of simplicity. He was not adorned with the most fashionable things. He had his mind somewhere else. He had a simple diet, John the Baptist did. Now you might say, I don't want to eat locusts. That's what he ate. Well, I've been to Israel and I've eaten locust. It's not the bug. It's a locust bean. It's a locust pot. And it's carob. It's nice and sweet. Okay, So he had a simple diet. He had a simple dress. He had a simple environment. And he had a very basic message. Prepare to meet your God. We're told in Malachi chapter 4 that Elijah is coming again. He came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And so just before the first coming of the Lord, John the Baptist came in simplicity, calling people back to repentance, back to the way of the Lord, back to His law, back to His word. And it says that just like before Jesus' first coming, in chapter 4 of Malachi, verse 5, the promise is, Behold, I, God, will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. This is not talking about only the, the first coming of Jesus, the first advent. This is talking about the second coming. Most people are not ready for this day. Let's go to Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter 4. We're going to go to Amos chapter 4 uh, just after this text. We're going to go first to verse uh, chapter 5, verse 18. It says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. Wow, you didn't expect to hear God say that, did you? Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. I mean, I thought we're all supposed to be happy about Jesus coming back. Right? This doesn't make sense. What happened to the blessed hope? Amos? Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Wow. Let's go to chapter 4. Amos chapter 4. Verse 12. Therefore thus will I do unto you, O Israel, and because I will do this unto you, Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. The job of Elijah was to prepare, or John the Baptist, I should say, the job of John the Baptist was to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. And the job of the last day, people that are preparing others, for Jesus' coming is very similar. 
They need the Holy Spirit. The same temperance that John the Baptist had. The same message of reconciliation. Let's look at John's message in Luke chapter 1. The message of reconciliation. Luke chapter... uh, Actually, it's going to be more like Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And we'll start with verse... It says, And John the Baptist came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So is there a preparation before the Lord comes? Amos talked about it. He said, Prepare to meet your God. John the Baptist talked about it. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And just before Jesus comes, there's another John the Baptist, Elijah message. It's prophesied in Malachi chapter 4. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Verse 5 says, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. You know when you have a guest over, what happens to your house? Come on, be honest. When you have a guest over, what happens? It's prepared, right? You make sure that, you know, the, the walkway to the house is clear. That it's swept as much as you can. That the home is put in order, right? Because why? You're preparing the way of your guest. You want to make them comfortable. You want to help them to feel welcome. You don't want them to come and look around and say, I sure love being here, but there's nowhere to sit. right? You want to make them comfortable. And so, before God can come with us to or take us to glory with Him, before He can fully bless us at His second coming, there needs to be a preparation in our body temples so that the power of God can dwell with us in a more powerful way. And so verse 6 says, All flesh shall see the salvation of God. And this was his message. Verse 7. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. So he was preaching the baptism of repentance. O generation of vipers. Whoa. Hold on. (laughs) Did he just call me a snake? O generation of vipers. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. See, there were those that just came to be baptized that came with the herd. You know what I'm saying? Okay? Have you ever heard the word gregarious? Gregarious means wanting to be around people. That's what gregarious means. And where do we get the word gregarious? We get it from the Latin word for cattle, grex. And because cattle, they'll just go together. Okay, they just stay together. They're, they're herd animals. The flock, the herd. And so people were coming to the Jordan wanting to just be included and they didn't want to make any real changes in their own lives. And John the Baptist said, there is wrath coming. There is wrath coming. Bring forth, verse 8, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. 
For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Sometimes we vicariously live the experience of other Christians. And we think that we're because we're friends with Christians, or maybe our parents were Christians, or our grandparents, or someone in our lives, that we kind of, you know, we kind of go in on the shadow of the Christians, you know? But we need to have an individual experience. Amen? And so he said in verse 9, John the Baptist said, Now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Then he gives this counsel. Verse 11, He that has two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. Get busy helping other people. Amen? He that has food, let him do likewise. Share with your neighbors. You know, if you make a a delicious batch of bread, bring a loaf to your neighbors. You know, if you're good with flowers, cut some extra. You know, give it to someone that's lonely. Put some brightness in their house. Think about someone else. That's the way that we're going to get citizenship in heaven. Amen? You know, that man, Mahmouda, I forget his name, that was just granted citizenship in France because of his heroic deed. He was also, by the way, given a job or offered a job with the Paris Fire Brigade. Because the guy is ready to help some people. Okay? He's ready, he's ready to lay down his life. I mean, he scaled that building in 30 seconds and saved that kid one-handed before he himself was saved. And so not only was he given citizenship, but they said, hey, we need you. We need you on our team. And God is looking for people to be on his team. To be citizens of heaven means that we are interested in the welfare and the salvation of those around us. And there's no greater privilege, but there takes some preparation. Number one, John the Baptist had from his womb, he had the Holy Spirit. Well, I didn't have that when I was in the womb, I can assure you, because I remember doing some pretty wicked things at the age of four. <laughs> okay, I was lying already. <laughs> okay, I was a little naughty little boy playing around with my cousins. But the Bible says that we can be born again. Amen? And when we're born again and we repent, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist had the Holy Spirit in order to enable him. He was temperate. He preserved that connection with God. You know, the Bible says when you pollute your brain with with intoxicating substances, it says your eyes behold strange women. Your eyes become red and you stumble and you, you say things, you do things that you would not normally do. And the Lord has called us in the New Testament, especially, He says, be sober. Be sober. Now, I know a few things about this. My favorite drug used to be called more. And it didn't matter what it was. I just wanted more. And when I realized that God was calling me to actually be in contact with him, to kind of tune my channel to him and that all the other stuff was getting in the way, it was not a sacrifice to give it up. Amen? It was like, oh, why did it take me so long? This is wonderful. (laughs) Let's do something different. (laughs) You know, I spent so much money and wasted so much time, can't remember half the time. What's the point? And so John the Baptist preserved that blessing that he had from his birth by his temperate lifestyle, by his simple lifestyle in his eating as well as his environment. He was careful what his eyes beheld. And 
we also, if we want to be a part of this movement, it will take some preparation on our part as well. A great gift requires great care to preserve that gift. He goes on, he says, verse 12, then came also publicans to be baptized. Who were the publicans? They were the tax collectors. They were the ones that were politicians and mingling with the pagans as well as those who were professing the faith of God. And they said to him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. So he's preaching repentance. Now, the reason why he's preaching repentance is because there's a judgment. And, dear friends, the Bible is very true. Go with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible is very true that there is a judgment coming. And it says in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 12, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. If we're professing to wait for the Lord, that means that we're seeking to be like Jesus. We're seeking to be citizens of that kingdom and helping those around us because we don't just want to stop from falling. We want to keep others from falling off that balcony. Amen? That is what life is all made of. And that's the kind of people that God is looking for, for this new kingdom. Verse 29 of the same chapter says, For our God is a consuming fire. Now God is going to make a new earth. We'll go to one more place in the Scriptures here maybe. Uh, first, Second Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. It says in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. What does that mean as a thief in the night? Some people read that and they stop right there and they don't read afterwards and they say, yeah, see, it's going to be a secret rapture. He's going to come like a thief. But if you just read the next phrase, it says, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. <laughs> okay, there went the secret part, out, you know, out the window. It's not secret anymore. All right. So, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Why is it a thief? Because people are not expecting that day to be so great and for there to be actual preparation to meet God, just like Amos said, woe to you that look for the day of the Lord. Because it is not a day for you if you don't prepare to meet your God a day of light. It's a day of darkness. It will be the day of your demise. And God is not willing that any should perish. And so we're told these things in advance. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. We know about that, right? We've seen the lava flowing in Hawaii. We understand what it means for the elements to be melting with fervent heat. The works that are therein shall be burnt up. One man was on his porch and he was looking down at his phone and here comes a piece of lava flying through the air and he had been dodging them. He didn't want to leave his house. He wanted to be there for some odd, strange, unexplainable reason. And so he was on his porch looking at it. He glanced down at his phone and 
one the size of a football piece of piece of molten rock okay this is a, like heavier than concrete type stuff okay it's it's uh it's denser than than concrete actually and it came flying out of the sky and it completely almost severed his leg and thankfully he was able to live and tell us this story <laughs> okay i'm so glad that he's alive but you know these are just small hard you know how do you pronounce that word? Harbingers or harbinger? I never... It's something that is... Pre, it's, it's a premonition of the great day of wrath that is going to come. Then notice verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? So the only way we're going to be hasting and want Jesus to come is if we're actually preparing for that day. Amen? In all holy conversation and godliness, it says, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Notice verse 13. Nevertheless, we according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth where we want to be citizens. And if we want to be citizens in this new earth, it says, where dwelleth righteousness. And the Bible says in Revelation that no one will enter into that kingdom who brings any abomination there. It will dwell, in this place will only dwell righteousness. And so, here's how it works, brothers and sisters. It's very simple. Prepare to meet your God. But the way to prepare is to receive the new birth and to walk in the light that God has given. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, because, follow the reasoning closely, because when the earth is made new, only those who have been made new will live there. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense to me. Is that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, just like the world is going to pass away. Behold, all things are become new. This is a work that we must participate in for others, for the salvation of others, but it is one that we cannot do if we are not following the pattern of John the Baptist. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? We repent. If there's something in our hearts that is contrary to God's will, that God's Word says no, and I, my flesh says yes, and I've been indulging in that, then I say, Lord, please give me a hatred for that, and I choose by faith. Your word. I choose by faith to follow you. Just like Jesus asked that man that was by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. He was an invalid. He said, will you become whole? Will you be, will, will you be made whole? And the man said what? What did he say? Yes, but there's no one to help me. Sometimes we're so fastened in our addiction. We're so fastened in our problem and in our indulgence or our violation of God's law or whatever it is that God is calling us to repentance from, just like John the Baptist did before Jesus' first coming and just like John the Baptist in spirit will do before the second coming, this Elijah people that will be at the last day. Sometimes we're so fastened that it's like, oh, no one understands me. I don't have any help. And, and we say the same thing when Jesus leans over with his word and says, will you be made whole? And we say, I have no man to, to lead me into the pool. I'm, I'm totally alone. Like, no one understands me. You don't understand me. No one does. And Jesus said, 
rise, take up your bed and walk. And this is what he told the paralytic that was taken and let down through the roof. Do you remember that story? He said, that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Rise. And that was the, that was the proof that he is able also to save from sin. And so if we need to be healed today, we cannot heal ourselves, brothers and sisters. We cannot prepare for Jesus coming without his Holy Spirit shaping us. We need a Savior. Amen? And we have a tender, pitiful Savior who is bending over, looking at us in our affliction, in our sin. And He is saying to us, will you be made whole? Will we claim that promise and then will we extend that to others? That is my appeal. Let's sing our closing song and then we'll pray.